really quickly to the book of Isaiah, you're dropping down right into chapter 43, and we're not studying before, and we're not studying after. We're doing that stuff we're not supposed to do when we study the Bible. We're just dropping down and pulling our verses out, okay? So I want to let you know a little bit about Isaiah. Because Isaiah is, uh, he's considered a major prophet just because his book is big. Um, he is a, a um, contemporary of Jeremiah, some of the other guys um, in that tribe of prophets at that time. And he's writing from about 740 uh, to 685 B.C. So that's about where he falls in history. And the first half of the book, chapters 1 through 39, cover from about 740 to 701, and um, talks about what's going to happen when Assyria comes to get them, but it also predicts Babylonian captivity, which happens in 586. The book presents God as transcendent overall, but also very personal and with us. I see the first half of the book of Isaiah as judgment and get your act together. That's what it feels like when you read Isaiah 1 through 39. And you get to Isaiah 40, and it just changes. Almost suddenly, it starts with comfort. Comfort my people, says the Lord. After all this going on in chapter 1 through 39, then we get to comfort my people. And the whole tone shifts in this to the second half of the book. I put up a couple of quotes from the study Bibles. I love my study Bibles. Yes, the um, commentaries are great, but I love my study Bibles. <laughs> um, that's what I would recommend for just all of us. And so I just want to give you quotes from my New Living Study Bible and New International Study Bible. From the New Living Study Bible, it says, The prophet tells the story of God's judgment on his sinful people through exile. However, God graciously returns to his people and declares that he will not cast them away altogether. Instead, he will purify and preserve a remnant that will glorify him among the nations and demonstrate that he alone is the true and living God. And then from the New International Study Bible, the Lord's kingdom on earth which, with its righteous ruler and his righteous subjects is the goal toward which the book of Isaiah steadily moves. So dropping down right into Isaiah 43, we didn't memorize the first part of that verse. This is what the Lord says. I informed you, Jacob, and called you. Fear not. But we're using these verses as our base, our hub for what we want to talk about. And tonight we want to talk about God with us in our identity. The themes for this retreat, as you know, are, uh, are, refresh, yes, that's what I've been thinking about them, refresh, connected, purpose. And we want to take the theme with you and weave that into your objectives of refreshed, connected, purpose. You'll see as we learn these verses and talk about them how much with you is a part of this. We also have outlines that came with your three ring, uh, your spiral notebooks. And so if you want to grab that, if you like to take notes, you'll find the answers to the blanks up on that screen. If you don't like to take notes, you just leave it in the bag, all right? Tonight, as we talk about identity, we're going to look at four points about God from this passage. Our identity is based on the truth that God has, first of all, created us. This is the first part of the verse. But now this is what the Lord says. He created you, Jacob. He has formed you, Israel. No matter what position you take on how long that creation took, we cannot get away from the biblical truth from Genesis to Revelation that God's the creator and that you are.
are his idea. And God has never had a bad idea. So then we just start right there at the very beginning with God created me. Already that tells us something about our identity. He created us for purposes that are ours alone. The scripture tells us that he has good works that have our name on them. Uh, three of those good works that I believe have my name alone on it, just Joyce Schroeder's name on it, love Joyce, Patty, Mel, Joyce Schroeder, you know, all the names that I have. One of those jobs is to be David Schroeder's wife. So nobody else gets that job. Unless God calls me to heaven, that's my job, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be Kareth Justin Tyler Rodriguez's mom. That has my name on it. And any other job that happens, somebody else could maybe do, but that's the job that's got my name on it. And the third job that has my name on it and only my name on it is to be me. And if I don't do that job, it's not going to get done. And that's a job that God had in mind when he created me, was for me to be me. Because God created us, he knows exactly how we roll. He knows every nuance and detail of our soul. And he's even numbered the hair on your head. And you could have rushed through it, and you can't. That's how much detail God knows, so much more, and cares about it. Anytime somebody says God doesn't care about the details, I'm like, um, one, two, three. God, God cares about the details of you. God has created us, and our identity is based on him. And God has chosen us. Later on in that chapter of Isaiah 43, he says, I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God has chosen us to belong to him. He's chosen every one of you in this room, and we get to choose him as well. I knew that God had chosen me as a very young girl because my parents taught me about him when I was little. So I was only uh, three and a half, almost four, when I knelt by my bed and asked Jesus to come into him. And he did. And I walked with him, and that's my story. Now, every one of you have a story. And I hope that every one of you has come to that place where you've said, I choose me too, because I know God chose you to belong to him. If you haven't come to that place of choosing Jesus back, this is the weekend, because I won't give you. You know there's all kinds of people you could talk to about making that decision. Now, we talk about the language of asking Jesus into our heart. It's kind of Christian language. Uh, biblical words, receive, believe, those kind of things maybe more people relate to. But I love the picture of Jesus coming into my heart because I get it, I understand that now. But as we explained it to our children, Kylie, when she was uh, four, actually she was almost four, it was two weeks before she became four, and she's a planner, she still is, that's why it was so hard for her to choose change a major. But... Um, she prayed one night, thank you, Jesus, that when I'm four, I'm going to believe in you. So she's planning ahead. So she got to be four, and we're into four, and we're saying, Kylie, do you want to believe in Jesus now? Nope. And then we'd, we'd let time go by, and we'd talk about Jesus. Do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And she'd say, no. Okay, then she gets to choose him, too. And finally, the year was going along, and at one point it said, Kylie, are you going to ask Jesus into your heart? And she said, yes, but how 
broken my tummy. <laughs> this is called concrete operational thinking. Those of you who are teachers, <laughs> I work as a substitute teacher, so I have my credentials. Concrete operational thinking, and we know the formal operations comes later when you can think abstractly. But for a child, she's getting ready for surgery, I'd put it off too. Yes, I'm going to do that, but let's just put it off. So then I explained to her, oh, no, Kylie, you don't have to open your tummy. Because when Jesus comes into your heart, he comes in by his spirit. And his Holy Spirit is like the wind that just blows right into your heart. And he just goes right into you like that. So would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life? No. Okay. Well, it got to be within a couple weeks from her fourth birthday, or fifth birthday. So now we've done all of four when she's been a baby here. And uh, David was traveling. I had Kylie and Jonathan in the tub. They were young enough to be in the tub together and old enough that I could go into the phone because it's before cell phones, okay? So everybody's, no worries. The phone rang, and I went to answer it, and it was David. He was on a trip. I came back, he came right back to the bathroom, and Kylie's standing up at the tub. She says, Mom, I did something. So right away, I look down, right? <laughs> it's, it's all clear. And then she says, and I said, just a minute, David. She says, it starts with I asked. Kylie, did you ask Jesus into your heart? Yep. When? Right now. You know, right there. And what did he do? He filled it up, she said. Uh, did you ever listen to Donut Man? I think that might be where she got that. Anyway, life is like a donut, and she, you know, there's a hole in the middle of your heart. Anyway, uh, so there she was in her birthday clothes. In the same outfit she was in when she was born the first time, she was in when she was born the second time. We call that being born again when you come into God's family, when you choose him after he's chosen you, and you are born into the family of God. So I said, David, Kylie just asked Jesus into her heart. And he said, well, as long as I'm not on the phone to her wedding. Now, I'll tell you why he said that, because when Kylie was born the first time, he was on a trip uh, to Asia, and she came early. And so when I called him in Korea saying, I've got to go to the hospital, and he got on the first plane he could, and he was on his layover in Japan, calling from a payphone back in the day, uh, from a payphone in Japan, and they said, we're going to have a baby in an hour. That was like the tears in my eyes. Anyway, anyway um, he said, I'm going to stay on the phone. So he stayed on that payphone, and they held the phone as I'm screaming. <laughs> and she was not in a talkative mood. No, yeah, he tried to talk to me at one point. I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, but he got to hear Kylie be born. So he was on the phone for her first birth, on the phone for her second birth, and a wedding happened. And it was so amazing because really the timing of that layover, and Narita Airport's one of the busiest and largest in the world. And so it was just a, it was a beautiful gift to me that I got to listen in and, and hear that first cry. And I was just crying, and there was these Japanese ladies all around saying, you okay, mister? You okay, mister? I'm like, I'm having a baby! And they were all like, oh, they're not possible. They're not possible. <laughs> it was glorious. 
It was and horrid. It was, it was, to be fair to him, it was almost an hour phone call, and our bill was 60 bucks. <laughs> you know, that credit calling away. It, yeah, it was long. Okay. God has chosen us to belong to him. He created us, he's chosen us, and he's called us not only to belong to him, but also to be transformed by him. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. Not just, hey, you. Hey, y'all want to come? He's called you by name. He's me by name. He's called each one of us by name. It's interesting to me that God doesn't zap us into becoming a Christian. Sometimes I wish he would for those people I'm praying for. Sometimes I wish he'd zap me when I'm at, you know, I've got this request and I want him to do something. He doesn't do that. God's a gentleman. He never bullies or bulldozes. But he calls us by name. And he says, you're mine. He calls us not only to belong to him, but to be transformed by him. And this is how it works. The more and more that I get to know Jesus, the more I look like him and become like him, and the more I look like me and become who I am supposed to be. That's what transformation is like when you know Jesus. He's called us to be with him now on this earth and to be more our true self than ever. And he's called us by name to be with him forever because we know how our story ends. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed in love. Now, oftentimes we, instead of listening to these Voices, this voice from God that tells us who we are, we start to listen to the enemy of our souls, the devil. David and I uh, did a sermon series this summer on warf- uh, spiritual warfare and the armor of God. So we did a whole talk on the lies of the devil and the belt of truth. But I want to leave you a few examples of what you might have heard through your lifetime about who you are. You are invisible. The world would be better off without you. You have nothing to offer. God doesn't care. You're worthless. No one will ever love you. It's too late to change. You're stuck. You'll never amount to anything. To many, he says, you don't have what it takes to be a man. And often to women, he says, you'll never be chosen. No one likes you. Whose voice is that? Have you heard any of those comments, by the way? Have you heard any of them? That is the voice of the enemy, and those lines are from the pit of hell. Whenever we hear something like that, and David's going to talk about this, we know it's not from God. we got to listen to God's voice, and God says, I chose you. In Isaiah 43, 4, he says, You're precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give people in exchange for your nations in exchange for your love. Claire gave David and I uh, tonight a packet of, she said, they're personalized Christian roses. Well, that's cool. I just have one. So I looked, and the first card I brought out, do you know what it says? It says, Beloved Joyce, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness, Jeremiah 31, 3. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands, Isaiah 49, 16. The Lord God, who's from everlasting to everlasting. That is who we need to listen to. I have loved you with an everlasting love. David and I have been married for 30 years. We still say to each other, probably almost every day, I love you. 
It was kind of uncomfortable, that kind of intensity, that kind of love that you know you lose it and then you have to deal with it. I tell you this story not to put pressure on any of you men or women who need to tell someone what you want them. What I want you to hear is this is the voice of God. Whether you ever hear that from a person or not, God says, I about God being with us in who we are and our identity, I want to tell you the real truth about how I feel um, about being an empty nester. the driveway, I was just crying, and, and I didn't know when the house was empty, and Jonathan, who was just one of my best buddies in the world, you know, just left him, and uh, yeah, we got Snapchat and Instagram and all that, but he's not there in the home, um, and I just, I feel in the grief of that, and uh, and I, I was just talking to Joyce, I said, I just, I so love being an everyday dad every day and now I'm I'm still I'm I'm always a dad but you know it might be once a week it might be who knows how often I'll get to engage with being a dad and uh, on Sunday morning we're going to talk about God with us and our families and we're talk we're just going to give you just some rapid fire tidbits of, of things that God has taught us over the years about life and marriage and family but um I know a lot of you are dads with young kids, and, and uh, I just want to say tonight, if you want to hear anything else, man, enjoy your kids. Be present. Everybody says it. The years will just fly by, and now here I am telling you <laughs> the truth. And I'm looking forward to this, this next season. I know there's advantages to it. When our kids had those baths, when they were little, they had a little tradition. After they got dried off, they got in their underwear, and they did naked runs through the house. And they went running through the house, naked runs. It was really semi-naked because we didn't want to get arrested, but it was naked runs. <laughs> and then, of course, they got a little older, and we had the 
put an end to the naked you put run. The underwear on the head, then we did. Yeah, then we I put the un- different underwear, clean underwear <laughs> on our head. Yeah, I ran with them. I was a part of this <laughs> tradition. And then we had probably a decade with no naked runs. Well, the first night we got home from our trip after my shower, <laughs> I resurrected naked runs, man. I was like just <laughs> ripping through the house. That's not in the notes. <laughs> it was exciting. Joyce is rolling her eyes, which I've learned to interpret means she's really excited about what I'm doing. <laughs> She's just So I know there's advantages. But here's the thing. So a big part of my identity for all these years has been an everyday dad. And now all of a sudden, I have to think about who is David Schroeder as still a dad, but not an everyday dad. And it's actually challenging for me. At 54 age years of age, I am thinking afresh about my identity and who God has made me and trusting him in a fresh way that he's going to be with me as I sort out what it means to be a dad in this next stage of life. So God with us in our identity and who we are, that's a lifelong process because we go through different seasons where God needs to speak into who we are in fresh ways. So I just want to briefly remind you, and then we're, we're getting close to wrapping up. We know it's been a long day. If you look at your notes, we just want to remind you about what the voice of the Spirit sounds like. I grew up in a, in a church where, you know, the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible. Like, there was just no mention of the Spirit, and you certainly didn't listen to the Spirit unless it was just specifically from His Word. And we know that's the primary, where, primary way the Spirit speaks. But He is trying to communicate to us all the time through people, through his word, through the quiet moments. So here's some quick reminders of what his voice sounds like. Number one, it's kind. We sang about this in Romans 2, 4. It says, do, do not show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience. Not, Sorry, I read this wrong. Or do you show, whew, where am I? <laughs> or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Second point, it's cleansing. His voice is kind, it's cleansing. Satan's voice is accusatory. It's a finger in your face. God's voice is a gentle whisper. And he may be saying some tough things to you, maybe convicting and challenging, but it's always going to be kind and filled with mercy. Number three, it's freeing. Galatians 5 It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The voice of the Spirit is always trying to move us towards freedom. Satan's voice is trying to move us towards bondage, towards addiction, towards uh, sin that will uh, capture us and take us away from the heart of God. The Spirit's voice is always a freeing voice. D. The Spirit's voice is specific and familiar. John 10, 27. Just, I'll just read the, that verse. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So 
his voice is specific and familiar. My sheep know my voice and they listen to me. I thought, you know, so when you when you're hearing when you're having a thought or a, uh, an idea or something that just you have a sense that is from God for you, it should be specific and it should be familiar to you. I just love the fact that everybody in this room has a unique voice. Everybody in the whole world has a unique voice as part of God's creative design. And you know your kids' voices. You know your loved ones' voices. You could just pick it out anywhere. God wants us to be so in love with him and and so familiar with him that we just reveal to God the Father's voice and sing. And then finally, it's affirming of my true identity. You know these verses in 1 Peter. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. The Spirit is always reaffirming and affirming who God made you to be. And we need it because it needs to counter all the negative, critical voices throughout our lives that have told us either the truth not in love, and that hurts, or they've told us lies about ourselves. God is with us informing who we are. So what is our identity and God with us as related to these discrete objectives? And we'll finish with this. We're fresh. Simply put, in my life, when I've tried to be somebody I'm not for the sake of whoever, I burn a ton of energy and I get drained. When I feel the freedom to live out who I am, talking about naked runs, being funny, whatever it is, spontaneous, going off script. I am energized by that. Sometimes it takes me astray and I have to repent, but in general, God wants us to live out who we are. Now, the first time I realized that I may not be doing that was in our premarital counseling. Joyce was in a, in a master's degree in biblical counseling with Dr. Larry Crabb, and, and I was coming through <laughs> on my way to Germany to start a youth ministry at a military community, and we, they offered the, what's her name? Intern. The intern who was, had been counseling Joyce, I should have you tell this part of the story, and then, so then, what happened? <laughs> so he offered to give us a couple sessions of premarital counseling, and we're in the first session, he looks at me, he goes, David, you're really nice. And I was like, yeah, yeah, pretty nice. And he goes, it's kind of making me sick. And I was, I was like, his name was Trip, and I was like, Trip, what do you mean it's making you sick? He goes, and it just, it feels weak and manipulative, and like you're, you're just so concerned that I uh, am okay with you. And you're working, you're working hard to get me to be okay with you. And I'm guessing that's probably a pattern in your life. Your niceness is, is making me sick because it's your way of trying to control people and their opinion of you. It's not kindness. It's not love. It's niceness. Well, the last day I was nice. <laughs> but all he was saying, all he was uncovering in that moment is that because of pain in my life, I had developed the idea that I just needed to work like crazy to please everybody around me so that they would have the correct opinion of me and then I would be okay. 
I was putting the power of my identity in their hands, and I was not loving them freely because I had taken a hold. Now, don't hear me say don't be nice or whatever. Some, some personalities are nicer than others. I happen to have a pretty nice personality <laughs> that God blessed me with. But that's me, that means she agrees absolutely wholeheartedly. Uh, we're refreshed as we grow throughout our life in embracing who God has created us to be. And it's an amazing thing to me that for God to take the question mark we all have in our souls about who we are and change that to an exclamation point that takes a lifetime. Takes a lifetime. You know, our identity in terms of our purpose of being connected, I just want to encourage us that we need each other, that we are going to need each other to speak truth to each other. We've heard what God says about us, but we need to hear it from each other as well. Uh, when I, in Darmstadt, Germany, with them, had our son, Justin, I went through a year of postpartum depression. Didn't really know that it was that until I was coming out of it. You know how those times go when you're in it, and it's bad, but you don't know how bad until you're coming out of it, and you look back, whew. Well, it was really hard. And about, uh, it was nearing that year mark, and my brother Dave, uh, we had, we were, we got together that, uh, for a breakfast. He said, I want to meet you for breakfast. And my brother Dave, if you knew him, you'd know that he doesn't just go out to breakfast with friends. If he, we were getting together for breakfast, it was because he had something to tell me. And so, okay, we're going to breakfast. So we went to breakfast, and we sat across, I just could barely start on my feet, and he said, Joyce, I think you've forgotten who you are, and so I'm going to remind you. And so I'd written down five things that I want to tell you that you are. Okay, I knew we weren't just having breakfast. And he said, the first thing I want to tell you is that you're intelligent. You know, it's really nice to hear when all you're doing every day is changing diapers. You go, how'd your day go? Five things. And that's how you measure your day. So that was really nice to hear that he could see that I was intelligent. And then he said, you're gifted. And he told me about my gifts. That was really nice to just have that spoken to me. And then the third thing he said is he said, you're beautiful. Now, any of you know that, that most of us, after women, after we've had a baby, do not feel beautiful before or after or for a while. <laughs> and so for him to say that, but then he said, but here I want to tell you something about your beauty. He said, your beauty is different than mom's beauty. And I think you're trying to be like mom. Because you see, mom's beauty is blue and silver, if you know what that is. Blue and silver. And your beauty, your beauty is green and future. Turn to my son. silver beauty, I thought, that's beautiful. But for my colors and pattern to also be beautiful was, was a revelation to me. And it was a freeing thing to know that I had my own colors of beauty and my own pattern of beauty. And I didn't have to make mom be different than she was, and I didn't have to be different than who I was. He said two more things I don't remember what they were. They were very insightful. Anyway, the point of that being that I think each one of us at times have words for somebody else that can affirm who they are and who we see 
that God delivered them to do. And it's sometimes when we know each other, we hear the Lord. And finally, uh, our identity, of course, affects our purpose. Our purpose comes out of it. If you have, if you have your Bibles open in your Isaiah 43, look further down the chapter because in verse 19, this should sound familiar to you. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm a making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. My chosen people that I formed for myself, our identity showed up out of that we can proclaim praise to God. And as we talked about, that is a lifelong process. Sometimes it's a healing process. Sometimes it's a long-term healing of wounds in our lives, of lies that we've come to believe, that God, he just doesn't want to change the truth. He wants to transform who we are and what we believe about ourselves. Because out of that, a new thing he wants to do in you, in me, in each of us, in your church, and in the world. That's for God who is with us. Amen? Why don't you stand up and let's review our verse, right. and we'll be done. Here we go. Isaiah 43. Ready? Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. What's wrong? Fear not. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Thank you, God. We are yours. We love you. And we look to you. And we listen for you. And thank you that you'll sing over us tonight as we speak. That you'll be working even though we're not aware. And that you will do new things in and through us. Now it springs forth. Help us be aware of it. Make a roadway in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Pray in the name of Jesus.
So we have devotions 7.30 to 8.40 in Peoria. For those of you that are up and would like to attend, breakfast meets at 9, beginning start at 9. And then uh, tonight we'll have a lot of fun over by the, by the campfire. Let me pray and send you out. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. Lord, you know my love for them. You know it's for you and me as we, as we think of our church uh, and we think of all of our people, how much we love them. Thank you, King, for Dave and Joyce. You know our love for them as well and the, the impact they've had in our own life and ministry and shaping us over the years. And so, Lord, now I pray that as we uh, go over to the campfire, for those of us that can make it, that it would just be a fun time. Thanks for laughing at us and having fun. And then I pray that you would give us a good night and slow song. In Jesus' name, amen. One quick thing, the devotion time period will actually happen up on the top deck in the kind of in the long hallway here. There's, a, there's an upper deck, so you'll be up in the mezzanine section for the devotions. And who's doing the devotion tomorrow? Do we want to put the, oh, all right, Rob Strode, excellent. And who, and Rick, Rick's doing most of it? All right, Rich Ferris. Oh, Rick Ferris, great. Okay, great, brilliant. Okay, um, anything else? Does anybody have anything you would like to find out about? Anybody have an announcement? Any kind of uh, feedback? You know, we can be a little little less strict and rigid around here. Uh, yes, go, Mike. Directions to the campfire site. I have absolutely no idea. What are the directions? Go outside and look for the smoke. I love that. Yeah, go out here. Towards the dining hall, yeah. Okay. It's the road that you took to dinner. If you start down that path and just look to your left, there's a sign that says Commons One, and there's a there's a fire pit 50 feet up the path. Perfect. Any else? Anything else? Yes, Miss Jewish. Oh, yeah. Uh, so in the sessions. You know, this is a learn-as-we-go. So in the sessions tomorrow, parents of kiddos, here's what we're going to do. We'll have the group sing about four or five songs. We'll do that little breakout exercise. It'll be a little different tomorrow. We'll learn the Bible verse immediately following that, and then we'll get the kids out of here. So they'll have about half of the time that they were here, okay? They should be coming back here tonight, or maybe Annika sold them on eBay. I don't know, but that's, yeah. Tucked in and asleep. Now, that would be a retreat, wouldn't it? Now we're talking. I love that. Yeah. Anything else while we're in here? This is fun. Enjoy each other. Hey, find somebody you don't know and uh, find out who they are and hang out with them a little bit this weekend. Enjoy that. Okay. Get out of here. You're done. Go to bed. See ya.